Hi, welcome to the Happy in Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Arnold. I'm an expert certified coach and a physician mom. I help women physicians go from burnout to happy in medicine. Let's get started. Today, we go behind the scenes to answer questions submitted to me via email. We haven't done this before, but we are for sure going to do it again because you will love this. Don't you just love going behind the scenes? I love it. It allows us to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually happening and what are other people thinking? What are they working through? What's the coaching they're receiving that we can't even get if we haven't had the same question? So you get to extract the coaching you might not even know was even on your horizon or something you needed. Use it for yourself. It helps you with unexpected tools, wins, support in areas that you may not have even considered. So here's a snapshot of what you're going to hear in today's very special, very first behind the scenes Q&A episode. We're going to look at the question number one is dealing with what's the best decision. I'm going to give you a powerful reframe so that you can make decisions easy. Second question is dealing with what to do when our partner is doing extra work, when it doesn't seem to be even, how, and your brain really wants it to be even, I'm going to coach around this issue. How also to receive support in a way that sometimes feels uneven. The third question segment is about, I cannot sleep. (laughs) So I'm going to get to the root issue for this particular question And I'm going to provide a coaching solution. It's all my best coaching tools in one place in a very small condensed format. You are going to hear the best ideas and strategies you will not hear anywhere else. You'll hear them here in this episode. Listen to this short segment and you can sleep better tonight. It will blow your mind. It's different than anything you've heard before. Segment four is how can I keep my anxiety from hanging over my head? So here I'm going to walk you through coaching and somatic tools to help make your anxiety less distressing because it actually can't prevent you from your goals. And I'm going to teach you how in this segment. And then we're going to end on what to do when you're afraid because you just don't have the data yet. You don't have the data to prove to your mind something. And so you're worried about problems that haven't even happened yet. I'm going to teach you a tool I've never taught on the podcast, but I am going to make a whole podcast about it because it's one sentence that will just explode your world. It's so good. Everyone I teach it to, their mind gets blown. It's such a quick reframe. It's the opposite of how you're currently thinking, and it will provide the solution of what to do when you don't have the data yet. It works every time. Enjoy this very special behind the scenes episode introducing our very first, for sure not the last, behind the scenes Q&A with Dr. Christina Arnold. First question is, I want to keep studying right into the last possible moment before the exam. Is this the best approach or should I give my brain a rest? So if you were here in person, I would just say, Only you can answer that. So you want to just check in with how does it feel? How does this plan feel? If it feels good, do it. I think that you're asking means you're not 100% on board with this. And there's a part of your brain who wants a little bit of rest. 
And I want to point out for you and for others, our brain is always wanting the best, the perfect plan. It wants the things. There's one good way and everything else is wrong. When in reality, there is no one perfect plan. So let's imagine there are a thousand people taking this exam. I promise you there will be a thousand different plans. There's no two people can have the identical study plan. Even if they're twins living in the same apartment, I promise you there'll be some deviations because there are no right or wrong plans. It's just a plan you create and you show up to make that plan work for you. So what you might want to consider is your brain's like, there's a plan where we rest and there's a plan where we cram to the last minute. There's probably also a plan somewhere in between. You might want to consider like, what are the in-between options? Look at your reasons for why you might want to cram, why you might want to take a rest and just move in the direction where you love your reasons. And it's probably more in the middle somewhere. I'll tell you how I... Uh, took my exam, not as if this is a right path. It's for sure not, it's not the path I would do again, but I'll just tell you for me what I did. And this is before I was a coach is I did cram into the very last minute because I had this thought, I have to get all my points. And I left a lot. And I'm a, typically a crammer. I usually like, I just work best that way. And I had this thought, oh, I left a lot of things to the last, a lot of memorization, translocations, et cetera, that I just knew I would never really memorize long terms. I left them to the last day and I was just going to memorize them to the last point. So I crammed into the last minute and it worked. I passed. It was so stressful. I wouldn't do it again that way. And who knows, did I need to cram at the very end to pass? I would question that. I don't, I, I'm guessing I didn't need to cram to the very end to pass. Who knows? It's an impossible question. Today, my process is a lot different. I am a coach now. It's my process is a lot different and it really works for me. So I will share it with you, not as an example of this is the right path, but as an example of this is what works for me. Today, I go into an event, let's say, and the last 15 to 30 minutes right before I'm not cramming anymore. The last 15 and 30 minutes, maybe even an hour, depending on how I'm feeling, I am being very quiet and intentional with my time. I'm moving into a mindset that I want to create for myself when I start that event, when I go into the exam room. Today, I realize that I perform better when my mind is clear and calm. I think more clearly. So before an event, an exam, I'm spending time reminding myself I have everything I need. There is not one bit of data that I'm going to force in my brain right now that's going to help me any different than if I didn't. If I wanted to cram, of course, it'd be fine, but I find spending time just reassuring my brain and clearing my brain in the moments leading up to the exam to be really important ones. It helps to ground me. Now, I noticed that during the event, my brain, like popcorn, it pops up. Oh my gosh, there's going to be you know a little panic thought comes up and I just keep it to practice of dropping back into totally fine to have that thought. And I have everything I need to create the result I want here. I find that the, the bigger the event, the more I'm practicing, not just 15 minutes before the exam, but a little bit every day leading up to the exam. Just give this practice of bringing my brain back to this calming energy. I have everything I need. I didn't start studying two weeks ago. I started studying the day I started my residency. That was four years ago. I've been studying for four years. I am right on track. And I take my brain there 
as often as I possibly can. So it doesn't mean I'm compromising my study time. It means when I'm driving from here to there, when I'm washing my hands, when I am going from my car into my house, and those little moments where I'm not doing anything either, any other time in my mind, I keep going back to the place of, I have everything I need. So every time I'm putting lotion on my hands, I'm telling myself I have everything I need. I just practice going to this place of ease and calm so that on exam day, I've been there a thousand times in my mind. It's really easy to go back there. Again, there's no right or wrong plans. From how you're asking the question, I get the sense that you want time to rest your brain and you want time to study. And your brain's kind of telling you it's either or when really it's somewhere in between. So you might be asking yourself, I think the question might be, how could I get 1% more rest time? Then put that in that plan tomorrow, put a little bit of the rest time in and see like, okay, did that help? How did I, how do I like that? Do I need a little more rest time tomorrow? Do I need a little less rest time? The only way you'll figure out your plan is by moving through it, by trying, evaluating, learning, and trying again. And keeping in mind, there is room for rest and study. You might actually find your study is more effective when you've had some rest. That's been my experience too. And then you just get to figure out how much rest is ideal and optimized. And that might be different every single day. I wouldn't be surprised. Question number two, our partners are doing so much more to support us during these exams. How can we help them and support them too? So I'm going to go through a different couple of different lines of coaching on this. This is such a, a complex question. I really love it. So it's a fact. Your partner is going to help you more around your exam time. Let's just assume that's a fact. And let's go to why are they helping you more? Like if we were to bring your partner into this office space and we asked him, why are you helping your partner more right now? What would he say? My partner did help me a lot more during my exam time. <laughs> And if I brought him in, I imagine he'd say, I know this test is really hard. I want to help her. I want to be a good husband. She helps me all the time. This is what I want to do. When I'm coaching you or what I'm trying to open your awareness up to is that adults only do what we want to do. No one forces us to do anything. Adults are always doing what they want. So while you're preparing for this exam, your partner's helping out a little more, it might be because he or she, they want to, that this is part of their identity as being a good wife. Now they might not always love it, but whatever they're doing is because they want to. It's helping them in some way also. And a lot of people, what they'll struggle with in relationships, especially women, is receiving support. We're just, it's just so much more natural to give the support. And so your growth the person who asked this question, it might be in practicing receiving the support without the story, they're sacrificing more, or maybe they don't want to do this, or I owe them. It's to be like, no, we're just going to be an allowance of this person I love wants to help me create this result we both want. We both want me to pass this exam. Adults only do whatever they want to do. Sometimes, as you're noticing, sometimes our, our partner gives more. And other times in a relationship, a partner receives more. I guess there's a there might be a rule you have that the support has to be equal. I have to support them as much as they support me. And what I want to consider and offer is that it actually can never be equal. That what you're describing is sometimes they give more, sometimes they receive more. 
is the definition of a strong relationship. That's exactly what it looks like. It ebbs and it flows. It's actually not a problem here at all. Nothing has gone wrong. You're right on track. Be in allowance of receiving the support for now. Something else you can offer your brain is that they are supporting you right now. I mean, that's a, that might be a fact. And then you get to decide, and what else do you want to do? It sounds like you want to support them more. And I would be so curious, what is what comes up for you? Like, what do you mean? What does that look like? How would you support them more? And you could just start by saying that, hey, partner, I love how you're helping me so much. I really appreciate it. I can't imagine doing this without you. This is so helpful. And I really want to support you. Sometimes that's it. But just saying it is enough. You, but you could also be curious about, okay, what are they going to offer? And maybe there is a way that you can, you all can develop a plan where you support each other more if that's what you want. I also think it's really interesting. You described as there, this is extra support. I want you to kind of watch out for that because it sometimes leads to a, a line of thinking where they're doing something they wouldn't normally do. This is extra. I owe them. They, they might owe me later. It has a settingness up. It's coming from a good place, but it's coming with sort of considering that this is work they wouldn't do otherwise. And instead, consider this. You were always going to take this exam. They were always going to support you in this exact way. It's not extra at all. It's exactly what the two of you signed up for. Now, they might not agree. And listen, I'm not coaching them. They're not here in the room. I'm coaching you because you just asked me this. So we'll make space for that. And maybe at the in-person event, we can talk about them. Um, but just keep coming back. It's not extra at all. Both signed up for it. We want to start from that place. And from this place, you can reach out and tell them, I love you. I love all the support. I want to help you too. Tell me how I can do that or come up with ways that feel good for you. Knowing that supporting them might not be a grand gesture. It might not cost any money at all. It could really be as simple as sending a text message that says, I'm so proud to be your wife. I love that I married the best man in the world. Your hair look good today. I can't wait to see you for dinner. It can be as that. It could take 10 seconds and it might be all the support you have time for and all the support they need. What if that's true? I also want to give space for at this point and study. You might be like, I don't even have 10 seconds. Right? And that's okay. That's how you feel. It's okay. And then the, the work might be into talking with him or your partner about as soon as this test is over on this date, this relationship is my priority and we are going to figure out a way to have so much fun together. That's possible too. All right. Question number three. I cannot sleep the night before an exam. And then I worry the lack of sleep will cause me to underperform. And then I'm even more anxious. And then I can't even sleep more. How can I break the cycle? So we want to start with, of course, when you think your amount of sleep determines your results, you would have a very hard time sleeping. It's so much pressure. It makes perfect sense. I've been there a thousand times. So what we want to do is start with decompressing your relationship with sleep. You have a thought, if I don't sleep, I'm going to underperform. And your brain is saying it like it's a fact, like it's the CNN news. And we want to start questioning it with so much love. How do you know? How do you know? First of all, that you're going to have a terrible night's sleep. And second, that it'll affect your performance because that's sometime in the future. 
What if it doesn't? What if you have believed this thing that everyone in the world tells you that sleep affects performance? So no, it's not a problem that you believe it. But what if it's actually not true? What if the lack of sleep actually has nothing to do with your performance? It's not our favorite and we wouldn't recommend people not sleep the night before. And we would love an unter- uninterrupted sleep. And also we can pass with whatever sleep we get. How does that feel? That feels so empowering to me. So let's explore that a little further. What if the lack of sleep is helpful? How could that be true? Think about it. Pause if you need to. It's not our favorite and it happens. So it gives you a little extra adrenaline. You have a little more, a little more energy, or for some of you, you're going to have a little less energy and either one of those could be helpful. We don't want to aim for sleepless nights, but if what we have is a sleepless night, we want to find out how that's going to not be a problem. That could help support us because the truth of the matter is most people, many, most, all the ones, maybe except for the people who are taking sleep medications, which I don't advise. I'm just saying most people are going to struggle with sleep before the night of exam. And some of those people will pass the exam. How is that possible? If sleep is essential for performance, it's not. It's possible you can pass with whatever sleep you get. And I think that's the most powerful thought you're going to get in this coaching. Whatever sleep you get is all the sleep you need. You can practice believing that. Because you might actually have stories of nights you didn't sleep well and you passed. You might actually have a lot of evidence of that. And if that's the case, your process of how you sleep before, it might not be your favorite and it works. And so we can drop the judgment of the process. And when you drop the judgment, you will sleep better. I would also, if you were here, I, and I'll just give you this homework assignment would be to question. You said it's no sleep. And I would really get very specific on the facts. Is it literally zero minutes of sleep? So you're in bed for 10 hours and there's zero sleep. Or are you getting 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there? Or do you have an hour and a half and you wake up, you're up for two hours and then you sleep for three hours? My guess is that you're sleeping more than you think. And we want to just be more factual with our brain to be like, "Mm, actually it was altogether, it was five hours. That feels a lot better than zero hours of sleep, right? It's not zero. I remember my night before sleeping, it was not pretty, but again, it was all I needed. And the more you drop the judgment about how valuable the sleep is, the more you'll be able to sleep. You can also, I would, I mean, I think this is such a good practice of practice sleep training right now. Don't wait for the night before the exam. And part of this is, is this coaching of all the sleep I get is all that I need. I think it's such a brilliant thought for your relationship with sleep, period. And reassuring your brain. We pass all of our exams. We get all the things we're looking for. It's sort of like de-linking that the sleep is so crucial for the success. All something you do is practice in the morning when you wake up, when you're up for the day is to be like, no matter what the sleep was the night before, practice this thought. All the sleep I got is everything I need. Thank you, body. You know how to sleep. This is amazing. You did it again. We had more sleep last night. Add, added to our sleep bank. This is all that I need today. We want to de-link your judgment of your sleep because the more you judge yourself and tell yourself, shame yourself, I can't sleep, something's wrong with me, my body's broken, the less you'll be able to sleep. Your body is paying attention to that. It's keeping score. So we want our body to hear 
oh my gosh, thank you for sleeping. You know how to sleep. Of course you do. You've been sleeping your whole life. Thank you for the sleep you gave me last night. All the sleep is going to my sleep bank. All the sleep I got is all the sleep I need. Let's go. Something that um, also that I want to offer you is that the thing that helped me most sleep better. I, one of the reasons I went into coaching is like, I have got to learn how to sleep. <laughs> and so I feel you on this question. And the thing that helped me the most early on is I did what's called a thought download. I got a, a journal. I mean, my, my journals are not fancy. It's sometimes just a piece of paper or a napkin, but whatever you want it, whatever you have, don't go buy something else or order, wait for Amazon to deliver something. Whatever you have, you can even type it on your computer. I prefer writing it so you don't have the light looking back at you before bed. But before bed, I would just write down all my thoughts without any judgment. I would get them out of my head so they would not be spinning all night long. And there's some science about when you put it down and write it down, it goes out of your head, your brain sees it and sees that it's out of your head. It's like, oh, she notices she's on it. She put it on a list. We're done looping on it. And it routinely leads to the best night's sleep. So give that a try too. The secret to the thought download is to write all of your thoughts down. Don't leave the scary ones up there. Write them all down and let go of them, not have judgment for them. My handwriting is terrible. So even if someone tried to read what I wrote, they would not be able to decode it. So that's my security measure. But if you're worried someone's going to read it, you can throw it away. You can recycle it. You can put it through a shredder. Our bodies know how to sleep. They absolutely do. The first thing you did as you were born is you cried and then you fell asleep. Your body knows how to sleep. All the sleep you get is all the sleep you need. We want to drop our judgment to us. And be curious, what else could help with my sleep plan? What is, I would say, go back to the past where you used to sleep really, really well. The last time you slept great, what were you doing? And listen, you might have to go back 15 years, maybe before the kids are around. Like, what were you doing then that helped you sleep? I know when I did this exercise, I was like, oh, the last time I slept well, I was 11. Well, I wasn't drinking caffeine back then. So I had to go back a long time, but I could find, well, I wasn't drinking caffeine. I wasn't watching scary movies like horror shows right before bed, which I've, in my older years, I've gotten into habit of watching horror horrible movies, TVs right before bed. I, you know, I was exercising more regularly. I cut myself off an hour before bedtime. I was reading books with my mom. I had a box fan. I love that box fan. So we want to explore what is already working for you in the past and do more of that. Whatever sleep I get, all the sleep I need. To your point, you mentioned about anxiety. I want to say, if you have a clinical diagnosis of anxiety, make sure you're meeting with your medical doctor. I am a physician coach, but I am not your medical doctor. So if you have a diagnosis, make sure you're in tune with what your doctor prescribes for you in terms of if it's medication or behavioral therapy, make sure you're doing that. And I want to offer coaching tips as of course you're anxious before an exam. It would be weird not to be anxious before an exam. If you've always been anxious before an exam, expect it. Your feeling is trying to help you. Anxiety, like think of when you're anxious, what do you do? Most people, they get to studying hard. That anxiety perks up and they're like, oh my God, let me get to my books, right? And if your response to the anxiety is you're more prepared, your anxiety will lead you to preparation the calm, the confidence, as long as you don't make it a problem. So we want to start with, of course, I'm anxious. It's one of the very first feelings I've ever, ever, ever had. 
then I make space for it. When I was born, the first feeling I had was anxiety. And then I started screaming. I've had this feeling for a long time. It will for sure be there with me on test day. And it's not a problem. I'm going to take care of it. I will say there is a coaching tool for processing the emotion, which is what we've sort of been doing is making it okay, being an allowance of. I'll just give you some more tools for how to process this emotions. What I like to do is go into a room where I'm all by myself. So I don't have to worry about anyone watching me or wondering what I'm doing. And I put my hand on my heart or my stomach or wherever the tension is in my body. I get really physical. Like, is it in my neck? Is it in my chest? Is it in my stomach? Wherever I feel the tension, I put my hands on it. I close my eyes and I just breathe really deeply into it. And just the act of allowing it will cause it. Like, I just want to yawn right now. I am going to yawn. I can't help it. But allowing it. Oh, you're yawning too, aren't you? And breathing into it, it starts breaking up the emotion. That yawn is the energy starting to release. It'd be really helpful to tap into it. This emotion is here. It's not a problem. It's here to help me. I'm going to allow it. I'm going to be very curious what it wants me to know. I'm going to be very much taking care of this feeling. That will help break it up. In about 60 seconds, 30 seconds, you'll start yawning. You'll start feeling better for most people. There's another technique, which I'm not going to go too much in detail, but you can tapping. If you type in tapping on YouTube, you'll come up with videos on how to tap. Just it's You actually put pressure on certain parts of your nervous system so that it cal- starts calming your nervous system down. So I love to do this when I, my nervous system is really activated. There's this, a little sequence. I'm going to go through it on the video. And if you're listening to this on audio, I'll try to describe it. But you start with the bait, right? The bone right before just all of a sudden being like, this is really hard. But if you look up a tapping video, you'll get it. So you start with the base of your hand and you tap there. Some people will tap mantras, all the sleep I need, all the sleep I'll get. Some people will just be with their body and just just tap. So whatever you feel like. So you start with the hand and then you go to the eyebrow and then you go to your temple bone. How long you do it is entirely up to you. Then you go to right underneath your eye on the bone. Or you tap always tapping on bones, by the way. Never tap your eyeball exactly, right? <laughs> and then you tap underneath your nose, underneath your lip. You can tap under your uh, above your collarbone, and I like to use lots of fingers to tap because I'm never quite sure where that spot is. So if I have four fingers to tap, I know I'm probably getting it. And then you tap the the crown of your head. So that exercise, as you go through it, spend as much time you want as each spot as possible. It just calms your nervous system down. Other tips that can be really helpful, and this is there's a lot of questions I received about anxiety is I like to, in my mind, because anxiety is a feeling we're all dealing with. I like in my mind to create this space, this mental place in my mind that feels very safe to me. So for me, it's a beach house. I've never actually been to this beach house, but bring all your senses into it. I'm seeing the ocean. I'm smelling the ocean spray. I'm hearing the ocean sounds. I feel the sun on my skin. I've got my dog with me. It's me, my dog, and the beach house. And it's kind of like around three or four in the afternoon. And it's such a relaxing place. And I take my brain there as often as possible. Anytime I feel anxious, I go to this place. And the more I go there, the more my brain is just used to getting there very quickly. And so it's a practiced pattern. So on exam day, it's really easy to drop into that. 
you can go to that. And I encourage you to go there as often as, as feels good because the more you go there, the quicker that neural pathway is. All right. We spent a lot of time on that one because we have so many questions on anxiety is really common around test time. Let's go to our, I believe this is our last question. I'm thinking about getting a job after I finish training. This is worrying me. I don't want to have this feeling, this thought hanging over me when I'm trying to focus. So here's what I would offer to you is that of that your brain is always going to want more things just like mine. Whatever I'm doing, it's going to want more. And we want to we want to interrupt the judgment piece of that. It's your brain's like it's hanging over me. It's going to prevent me from focusing. Actually, it won't as long as you don't resist it. As long as you're just like, oh, there's that thought again. Or, oh, there's my brain looking out for me again. So you don't, if you just see it as clouds in the sky, it'll just move past. Know that you're already an expert at this. You have over 60,000 thoughts a day and you don't believe all of them. You just let the bulk of them pass by. So your work here with coaching is to let this thought pass by. Your brain's going to offer you, we need to get a job. And we just like see it. Yeah, of course we do. We're, we're going to get it. Or we just don't even react to it all and just let it pass by. It's similar to when you watch the news and you see the ticker tape at the bottom that says, oh, there's showers in Dallas. It's the heat wave in Arizona. You just kind of imagine, I need to get a job. You just see it on that ticker tape. See it scroll by. You don't have to react to it. Expect your brain is always going to be wanting to help you with the next steps. Remember when you're in high school and your brain's like, got to get in college. You get in college and your brain's like, oh my gosh, I got to get into med school. You're in med school, your brain's like, got to get that advanced training. Now your brain's like, let's get a job. And as soon as you get a job, your brain will find something else. Not because there's anything wrong with you. It's because that's the brain's job to do. It's always trying to help us. Nothing is wrong with it. It would be weird if you weren't worried about the next thing. So we just want to get in the habit of being an allowance of these thoughts without reacting to them. What can help is drawing your brain to the present moment. Keep saying, okay, actually what's happening right now in this present moment is there's two lamps on. I start counting things around me. My clock says this. I have one straw here. I have four pins there. Keep drawing my brain into the present moment can be helpful. Also reassuring your brain with the facts. I'm guessing if you're sitting for an exam, you have gotten into college Oh, let me start. You graduated high school, got into college, got into med school, got into a training. You have a history of accomplishing exactly what you want. And so we can just show our brain this will be no different. I believe it was Bob Proctor who said this. In the absence of data, you always have two choices, fear or faith. Or another way of saying it is, Fear and faith both require the absence of data. Just get to choose. Do I want to be scared I'm not going to get a job? Or do I want to have faith I always get what I have my eyes set for? Do I want to be in fear or do I want to be in faith? You're not wrong either way. An unmanaged mind will go towards fear more of the time. And it's okay to be there. But we want to also offer our brain it's possible with the absence of data. We don't have a job right now. We can have faith. We can also show our brain the evidence. We actually always get eventually what we're looking for. And that can help us build our belief. But faith actually requires, and I'm not talking religious faith. I'm talking about belief in yourself, requires zero evidence. You just get to decide to believe yourself. That's it. 
And then we start growing that belief stronger and stronger and stronger. If you always do ultimately get your goal, then you want to question, maybe my process isn't a problem at all. Maybe my process is actually what helps me get these goals. Maybe it's okay, useful even to worry. It's here to help me. And I'll say with coaching, you can learn to get your results without the worry, but I think it's enough if you're listening to this and you're new to coaching, just to remind yourself, if you always get what you want eventually, then maybe your process isn't a problem because that feels really good. And it allows you from shifting to this problem is hanging over me, keeping me from focusing to actually this thought is supposed to be here. I expected it. It's not a problem. It's not hanging over me. There's room for it beside me. The less you resist that thought, the less you make yourself wrong for having it, the more calm you'll have, the easier it will be to focus. It actually cannot hurt or derail you. It's like a cloud in the sky. It's the most vulnerable part of your brain wanting reassurance. And you can provide that reassurance. Um, Hello, brain. I love you so much. I did graduate high school, college, med school, residency. We are right on track. Just because I don't have a job yet doesn't mean we don't get there. We always get there. We're in fact right on schedule. If this episode resonated with you, know that this is the work we do every day in my coaching program. You can enroll today or book your free coaching consultation at ChristinaArnoldCoaching.com. That's all one word, Christina with a C-H, ChristinaArnoldCoaching.com. On the consultation, we'll chat about your specific concerns, make a plan specifically for you, show you the results you can expect inside my program, and answer all your questions from a neutral space. So you have all the information you need for your next best decision. No pressure ever. And remember, you're right where you're supposed to be, doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing at the exact right rate. And so is everyone else. Have a beautiful week, everybody. 